Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast from P-Town. Uh, this episode, we're going to kind of take a break from the show and uh, give you a bit of a bonus episode. This episode actually was suggested to me by one of my cousins, and it involves a drug bust that our granddad was involved in, that he was a sheriff when this drug bust took place, and it was back in 1977. So the drug bust is called the Tystick Drug Bust, or also it's known as the Seagal Drug Bust. And at one time I'd heard, or I'd heard that this was the largest drug bust on the West Coast up to the time. It occurred in 1977. They seized $16.8 million worth of marijuana, Tystick marijuana, I guess it's called, which would be $71 million today. So that's a lot of devil's lettuce being sold. So it all started, the U.S. Customs had alerted uh, the Coos County Sheriff, Les Miller, who was my granddad, that they were, they were suspicious about some activity that was going on at a ranch that had recently been sold down in Bandon, Oregon. This is a 210-acre ranch, and it was called the New River Ranch. And as a little side note, after this drug bust, one of the singers from the musical group Heart, Nancy Wilson, her, and her husband, I think it was, bought the ranch. And they trained thoroughbreds and whatnot there, and then they ended up selling it to the BLM. But when this all took place, it was bought by a guy from Santa Barbara. His name was Arthur Allen, and he was only 34 years at, 34 years old at the time. He'd made a $75,000 down payment on the ranch, and then shortly after that, he paid off the rest of the $250,000 asking price for the place. So some out-of-towner comes in and is dropping that type of money, it's uh, likely going to raise the suspicions of some of the people around. This area down in southern Oregon, it's a pretty small community, and so stuff that's out of the ordinary gets noticed pretty well. But shortly after he bought the property, he uh, shut off the property to anybody, which there was a popular fishing spot down there, and he shut it off, the old owner would charge people like $2 a head for him to go out there and fish on the property. And this guy, once he bought it, he immediately gated off the property and he was running people off with dogs. And that, you know, they thought that was kind of suspicious. And then there was more suspicious activity going on. For example, there is equipment being hauled out to the ranch in the middle of the night and it said a member of the Bandon Police Department, they saw two amphibious vehicles being hauled through town on low boy trucks. And then there was a big semi-truck that was from the ranch, and people had been seeing it around town in Bandon. And these big amphibious vehicles, they're called Lark Vs, or the Ducks. And if you look Lark V up on the internet, you can see uh, pictures of them. So... After this stuff uh, was going on, they started a stakeout, and there was a U.S. Customs guy by the name of Larry Gano, and he'd recently been put in charge of this area down there, and people had come up to him, and they were talking to him about being shut off from fishing the place where they had once gone and all the other uh, suspicious activity that was going on down there. And you got to realize down there, fishing 
is uh, it's a pretty big deal. There's not a whole hell of a lot else to do down there on the coast because it rains all the time. I spent three weeks down there one time when my mom was in Europe, and it pretty much rained every single day. So I guess if there's nothing else to do, you can fish. So anyhow, this Gano guy kind of starts searching it out and whatnot, and he was able to get on a Coast Guard helicopter and go fly the Coast Guard patrols up and down the beach out there, and they were careful to not go in the airspace over the ranch, but he had a camera with a telephoto lens on it, and he was able to take some pretty good pictures of the ranch, and in these pictures later when they were looking at him, you know, they were able to see pictures, uh, tracks of the Lark Vs going up and down the, the beach and whatnot, and so a couple days later, these three guys show up out at the ranch, and Arthur Allen, the guy who owned it, he'd been watching them approach, and he met him at the door and immediately told him to get off of his property, but they told him they were with the BLM and wanted to talk to him about buying an easement across the property so people could access the BLM property on the New River, and he asked them for their ID, and two of them pulled out their wallets and showed him their badges that they were from the BLM. Luckily, Gano had left his wallet at home because he wasn't with the BLM, he was with the Customs Service, and the gig would have kind of been up at that point. So, Alan told him, you know, he wasn't interested and whatnot. And so they started upping their uh, surveillance of the place. And uh, the Godot, he even had seismic centers set up at the entrance of the ranch. And it would let him know what type of traffic was kind of coming and going from this place. And then this is also when the sheriffs and the Coast Guard started 24-hour surveillance of the property. So then on December 18th, the seismic centers, sensors that he had put at the entrance of the property, they reported a lot of traffic going on at the ranch. And the Coast Guard, with their when they were surveilling from the air out over the ocean, they noticed that they'd seen that Alan is now, he's patrolling the beach. They could see vehicles going up and down the beach at all hours of the night and stuff, so they knew that they were uh, patrolling it. But nothing really happened. A couple weeks went by, and then on December 29th, the surveillance noticed that there was a ship, and it was about five miles offshore out in the ocean, but it was all dark, but they could see a light blinking on it, and they realized that the light was signaling to the people on the beach, and they were sending signal lights back to the guys on the ship. And everybody, they got pretty excited about that, thinking that it was everything was going to go down. But it was a pretty stormy night that night, and there were pretty rough seas, so nothing, nothing really happened that night. But then on New Year's Eve, the sea, it was the storm had passed, and the sea was calmer. And about 12:30 a.m., one of the amphibious craft, or one of those ducks, it rolled out of the barn and down onto the beach, and then just kind of sat there on the beach for a while. And there were flashes going back and forth from the ship, and then out to the, uh, or from the ship back to the duck, and from the duck back to the ship, and then pretty quick the amphibious vehicle it rolled out into the ocean, and so it made it all the way out to the ship. And was sitting out there for about an hour and a half, and then it came back. And right when they came back, the thing rolled right up the beach and up to a semi that was parked. And they started unloading a bunch of boxes off of the the duck onto the semi. And then, once they got that one unloaded, the other duck showed up. So now both of the amphibious vehicles went out there to the ship. 
and they got back close to about five o'clock in the morning and it s started unloading all the boxes into the into the uh back of the truck and so at that point the law enforcement guys figured it was time to come in so this is kind of when it all hit the fan so if you picture it it's a dark night all is calm you can hear the waves crashing and then from behind a sand dune you hear somebody fart nah, i just kidding. a flare flies up in the air and officers jump out demanding everyone to freeze so they just got done unloading everything and all of a sudden everything's lit up by these flares that were sent off by the law enforcement but criminals don't understand the word freeze so they once the flare goes out they all kind of busted out of there trying to hide but to make a long story short they're pretty much uh quickly arrested shortly thereafter so that kind of ended the land portion of the bust but out in the ocean it was a different story there was a whole other operation going on out there so the ship when they saw the flare go off they took off and they were able to elude the coast guard in the in the darkness but once the sun rose the next morning the coast guard guys spotted them and the the crew on the ship they tried to scuttle the ship but basically they only waterlogged it and so they're kind of sitting ducks so they the coast guard arrested them or the sheriff's office arrested them when they were they found them trying to uh get a lifeboat ashore a lifeboat ashore and there was a short gun battle, and then those guys were arrested. So the ship, it was a 147-foot freighter that it was going under the Panamanian registry. It was called the Sigale, and that's obviously where the name of this thing comes from. But one of the guys in this gang had bought it from, I think it was Germany, the previous year for around $300,000. And it came straight across the ocean from Thailand with seven and a half tons of this Thai stick marijuana. And the stakeout, it lasted about two months. And like I said, they had seven and a half tons of the marijuana. And they were all in plastic bags. And then they were sealed into 581 aluminum containers. And each one of those containers weighed about 35 pounds. And then the containers were wrapped in cardboard. And I remember when I was a kid, and I think my mom still has them, there were some newspaper clippings showing my grandpa unloading a bunch of the, the bales and whatnot onto flatbed trucks and whatnot to get hauled off. So the bust, in all, it included the Coos and Curry County Sheriff's Offices, the U.S. Customs, two Coast Guard cutters, two Coast Guard helicopters, and a Coast Guard C-130. So it was a pretty big deal. They had a lot of a lot of people involved in this, and they had been doing hours and hours of aerial surveillance over this place. So they knew exactly what rigs were going in and out, and what was on the ranch, what was supposed to be on the ranch, wasn't wasn't supposed to be there. And in all, there were 17 people that were arrested in the bust the funny thing the arthur allen the guy who had bought the ranch he wasn't actually arrested the night that they did the drug bust it was about two days later they caught him hitchhiking about three miles south of the ranch on highway 101 and that's when he was arrested but the guys that were involved in the in the whole gang they came from massachusetts california texas illinois colorado washington and new jersey so 
these guys came from all over the place, so it, it was a pretty big deal. And they found out that this Arthur Allen guy, it wasn't his first rodeo. He'd been involved in some different gang activity throughout his past uh, quite a few years. And then they also found out, or I guess they didn't find, they, guys, they didn't get sentenced to real long sentences. It was like, I think, five and seven year sentences that these guys received. So they're probably all out now. I just couldn't find out a whole lot of information about him. But you remember the dogs that, that he was running people off with. They were actually, it was two German shepherds and they were named Bonnie and Clyde. And my grandpa ended up taking those dogs home. I remember when I was a young kid going to his house and those dogs would be, they were in a kennel out behind the house. And my uncle was telling me that he went down there one time with my grandpa and my grandpa, the dogs were in the kennel and he told my uncle to get kind of close to the fence. And my grandpa hollered something in German and he said those dogs would like to tear that fence down trying to get at him. And then he'd say another name in, or another word in German and the dogs would immediately stop. And so those things were, they were trained really, really well. But I'm not sure what happened to the dogs after that. Uh, I only remember seeing them a couple of times. But like I said, this was a really big drug bust, and it took a lot of surveillance and planning and whatnot for it to go down the way that it did. There was only like the one gun battle that happened when those guys were pulling the lifeboat ashore, and nobody really got hurt through all of it, and it took a lot of drugs off the street at the time. Like I said, I think it was $16.8 million worth of marijuana, and that's $71 million today, so that's that's a lot of money. But anyhow, like I said, this is kind of a bit of a bonus episode uh, to get out to you. I'm trying to get on more of a schedule of releasing episodes, more not just when I feel like it, trying to get on a schedule. But I get to research in this stuff, and I find fun stuff that I like to research. And then once I record it, I want to get it right out there to you. So hopefully at some point, though, I'll get on a schedule and we can uh, get this thing going really good. And if you... Like I said, we're up on Apple iTunes now, so if you can go on there and give it a five-star five rating and review, that'd be great. It really helps it out, helps it to move up in the standings. And if you have any suggestions for future stories or anything that you'd like me to talk about, you can always send them to ptownpodcast74 at gmail.com, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot.